This week's The Talk of the Street was recorded in a hotel room in Nashville, Tennessee, and as such is subject to some unusual and unexpected noises. It also sounds at some point like Helen and I were kicking about the microphone and attempting to butter it. That wasn't happening, and I'm not sure why it sounds like it was. We also neglected to thank Georgia Taylor and Jane Danson for joining in on the joke that we started on Twitter. The culmination of that joke is what you're about to hear in the intro, so thanks again to them. And with that said, here's this week's The Talk of the Street. I'm on my way to Dollywood. Dollywood? (laughs) Tyre's on her way to Dollywood. The talk of the street. 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 Hello and welcome to episode 161 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that's put together this week despite hotel Wi-Fi, temperamental VPNs, intermittent loss of video, and I'm assuming in about 20 minutes' time, a determined housekeeper. I'm Gavin. <laughs> and I'm here to free Brittany. You are? I am. Have you come to the right place? Yes. Okay, good. Fuck Jamie Spears. Fuck him in the ass. Oh? What's brought this on? Just... Did you hear her testimony? No. They forced her to get an IUD and then oh. refused to let her take it out. Her dad did? Yeah. Is that normal behaviour? No! <laughs> it's all kinds of wrong. And I mean, this was all kinds of wrong anyway, but especially now, listening to that testimony, it's heartbreaking. Oh. It was already heartbreaking. A cheery start to her... <laughs> Our vacation podcast. You find us in Nashville, in, Tennessee. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee. This is uh, Wednesday afternoon. We're recording this. Yeehaw, <laughs> etc. Yep. How's your vacation been so far? It's been nice. It's been good fun. Yeah. This morning we went to the Country Music Hall of Fame, which you did not find as fun as the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame we no. went to a few years ago. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was definitely better <laughs> for you. I found them. And all right people. And I found them equally delightful. Both are problematic in areas. Both are good in areas. And, you know, I get a little weepy at both. I have to admit. I get a little weepy at both. Mm -hmm. Seeing Maybelle Carter's guitar. It's oofed. Yeah, I quite like seeing some of the, like, the mandolins and the banjos and all that kind of fun stuff. There seemed to be an awful lot of... What's her name? Casey. Oh yeah, there was a there there was I think it's a special display of Casey Musgrave's stuff. I don't think that's there all the time. An awful lot of her dresses. Yes. Including her Met Gala outfit. Her her Barbie Met Gala outfit from twenty nineteen, the last time we had a Met Gala, where she was dressed as a Barbie. Which, you know, was actually one of my favourite outfits from that years met gala even though no one really got camp right because how can you get camp right the whole whole reason for camp is to not be right it's like if the met gala was theme was dada one year how how do you do how do you intentionally do dada it's like you're deliberately trying to lose me (laughs) you've won anyway 
Anyway, I really like the hide, the hair dryer purse. I would, I would buy that. That seems to be a thing. Yes. Um, we went to Dollywood. We did go to Dollywood. Dollywood. Where something rather remarkable happened. Dollywood. It's true, listeners. <laughs> you may have already listened to the best part of this podcast. Yes. It may have already happened. We really did go to Dollywood. Yeah. Yeah, so that was fun. That was more fun than we expected. Because we weren't going to go. We were going to go, and then we got <laughs> to Pigeon Forge, and we're like, oh my god. It's like Blackpool and Orlando had a baby. I don't know what people think when they think Dollywood, but what I thought was kind of quaint kind of twangy music kind of <sighs> folksy yeah down home I, I honestly didn't <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be essentially like a museum right and there is a museum to there. Dolly Parton and there was part of it that was like yes that. it's essentially it's just an amusement park right yeah but when you drive into Pigeon Forge you turn the corner and there's the Titanic for some reason. And there's no Atlantic Ocean. No. No. Or any reason for the Titanic to be there. Right. There's a Hollywood max wax museum that has a gigantic King Kong on top of it. There are a couple of upside down buildings. Because apropos sure. of nothing. Right. Like more Ripley's, believe it or not, than than you really need. And then the next town over, Gatlinburg. 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 We are. We're still coming out of this COVID thing. Right. And we're still, we as in you and I. Yes. The listeners, you may be in completely different places, but we're still erring on the caution. Yes. <laughs> For the most part. I mean, we are on vacation, but yes, we do We do try to stand, tend to... Err on the side of caution. Right. right? Stay six feet apart of people from people we don't know. This is not what we saw happening in Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg. No, it was kind of the opposite of that. It, it was, was it was packed, and there's only really one street. So if you're not comfortable with crowds, there's really no escape. Very much like Calendar for our Scottish listeners. Yes, but even in Calendar, there are a few little back alleys you can escape, or you can go and walk by. The, the river. There's a river there, isn't there? Like behind. Yeah, Pigeon Creek. I remember Creek. We, we, we parked by that creek. Oh, uh, in Calendar? Yeah. Oh, I don't know what the name of that. Oh. <laughs> so instead we escaped into the Smoky Mountains. And that was lovely. That was, yeah. Gav had one foot in Tennessee and one foot in South Carolina, would you believe? North Carolina. North Carolina. One of those. If one foot was in Tennessee and one was in South Carolina, I had a... There would be a problem. Massive stride, yeah. <laughs> Take a silly gun Right, yes. So we've had... We've, what did we do before that? Oh. No, that was our first That was our first landing. We stayed the night in Hagerstown. We really didn't do anything in Hagerstown. No. We found a presidential muse, library and museum that we didn't know existed. And we stopped at that. Because we'd already seen that particular dead president a few years ago. Woodrow Wilson. But we have watched Corey. We have. And amongst all that. Yes. We managed to watch Coronation Street. We watched it together, which hasn't happened since, like, the first year we were doing early the podcast. Days. Early Very days. Very early days where we would sit together and watch, and watch it together and then you would watch it a second time. Right. That no longer happens. No, I tried to watch it just <laughs> one time. 
But pause it when I'm writing my notes. Yes. Whereas I watch it one time. And write no notes. And write no notes. This time I have very high level notes. Nothing like what I normally do. So this is going to be a, I imagine, an abridged conversation. I've no idea how this is going to go. But knowing us. Because normally, (laughs) normally, no matter what's happened, we end up talking for between an hour and 40 minutes, an hour and 50 minutes. Yes. That's typically how long we talk. Yes. I've no idea how long this is going to run. Right. I imagine it's going to be less. Sure. We'll see. Yes. And on that note, oh, and I don't have any of my jingles. No. So, so anything that's to... added is going to be something that I can find and put in post-production. Yes. So, back to that, those sort of days where we have right. to imagine moment of the week. <laughs> there we go, right? Yeah. So anyway, shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that retro Corey news. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> oh, I can't remember when we didn't do Corey news in the early days. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Well, we're getting all reflective in our old age, aren't we? <laughs> Like Disney and Warner Brothers before them, ITV is acknowledging that certain words and images of the past can incite harm. They are including a warning message to that effect at the beginning of certain episodes of Classic Cory to temper that harm. More of this self-awareness, please. Two thumbs up. Yeah, I noticed that uh, the the, the addition of Haley recently has brought an awful lot of that uh, stuff back to to mind. And for the first while, it it wasn't necessary. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there was a problem with Haley's tax forms and Mike Baldwin, our boss at the factory, has a conversation because our tax is coming through in the name Harold. Right. Rather than Haley. Right. And so she has to admit, or mm-hmm. Alma has to admit to Mike what's been going on. Right. And Mike's rant about it was... Problematic. Problematic today. Can't remember how it would have been taken like twenty years ago. Probably in most sectors, mm-hmm. maybe even taken amusingly. Yeah, probably. But anyway, at the start of that episode, they had a. This episode contains language which reflects the age in which it was set. Yes. Sort of thing, just to kind of yes. temper it. But yeah, it was it was quite stark listening to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad they are acknowledging that, mm. and I think that's a that's a good step forward. Right. Yes. Izzy is coming back in a new storyline to highlight how the pandemic negatively affected the differently abled, and she's bringing along to her a familiar face. Shirley Houston's real-life partner, Toby Haddock, will be joining the cast of Corey. No. Their scenes will not be filmed on set. Instead, they'll be filmed from their home. Well, so that answers that question. So that will be Because we wondered when we saw Izzy before if that was her house that was in the background. Right. Guess it was then. Yeah, so they've actually brought equipment and stuff to their home to film some of their to film their scenes. So that's that's quite good. And well, this is... we've been crying out for a, a COVID type yes. storyline or something off that ilk for some time. So. Right. Yeah. So this will be good. Right. I hope. Yes, more of that, please. Finally, in shaken, not stirred news, (laughs) 
Simon Gregson and Joe Dutine joined the cast of RuPaul's Drag Crates UK to rappel down a 19-story building to what? raise funds for a children's hospital. Jazz Franks of Hollyoaks fame was also participated and said it made her feel like James Bond. So. Well, that's an awesome thing. Yes, yes. They rappelled down a building. Yes, a 19-story building. Stephen Tim did. Yes, yes they did. Dressed as dinosaurs? No. Wrapped in no. bubble wrap. No. Just dressed as himself. Steve was pulling him up at face, though, if that helps. I bet it was. <laughs> All the way down. Oh, that's quite news. And uh, now we'll podcast for coffee. Do, 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 Oh, no, you won't. Nobody bought us a coffee this week. What? And this is, I think, you made such a big deal about Uh, demanding. Threatening. (laughs) Right. Giving threats means people will not buy us coffee. That's very sad. It was almost like you'd taken a magazine and cut words out of it. (laughs) And put it on another piece of paper to make your... uh, I demand coffee. Your coffee demands. If you want to buy us a coffee for next week... You can go to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com, slash the talk of the street. And if you leave your name and a message, we will give you a shout out. But it's not compulsory. You don't have to. It's fine. We'd rather you did. Yeah, but we'd you prefer it if you did. It's fine. And now, this. <laughs> so now we have to imagine this music added on on top of it. Right, yeah. That kind of sounds like... Last year tonight. Last year tonight. Well, last but week tonight. isn't. But yeah. So it kind of sounds like last week tonight. But isn't. It's not exactly. Yeah. Non actionable. Yes. Think how not you actionable. It. But close. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. To last year tonight. With, with me, me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Artisan My Eye. Oh, this was about. Was this. About artisan beer, or was it like artisan coffee? Artisan bread. That's right, this was Evelyn complaining about the pastries and Roy's rolls. Yes, pastries. Artisan, my, my eye, eye, she said. I was Gavin, and you were not going to give up your shot. Oh, I just watched Hamilton on That's Disney it. Plus. Stephen um. Leanne received some life changing news about Oliver's condition. For the second consecutive week, Emma has her hand stuck in a vase. <laughs> It's still stuck in that face. It's date night for most of the couples in the street, which apparently means descending on Fizz and Tyrone's for some prawn cocktail and steak with all the trimmings. Oh. Michael does his best to talk Alina into doing the wrong thing by letting down her friend so she can go off a smooching with Seb. We finally have a potential threesome we can get behind as Roy manages to back himself between Evelyn and Trainman Arthur. <laughs> Jenny is back from France, but... The thruple of my dreams. <laughs> Jenny's back from France, but in the, an hilarious Gallic twist on Home Alone, seems to have left her Johnny behind. Slaps cheeks with aftershave. <laughs> Scott enjoys a pre-work pint in the tabard. Our moment of the week was Peter and Nick's heart-to-heart in the back of the Rovers about Oliver's condition, and our boring moment of the week was the whole Emma, Alina and Seb thing, which was continuing to no one's delight, and that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. And now we regret that because this Alina storyline is just so much worse. <laughs> well, we will get to that. Yes, we will. All right, so, like I said, I have no notes. 
You have some notes. I have some notes. I can see them. So shall we? You can't lie to me. These are high level, though. Yeah, it's fine. There's no jokes in here. We will... This is a joke-free zone. We will write our own jokes. We won't even workshop them like we did that Taylor Swift joke (laughs) earlier. We workshop jokes now. That was a good Taylor Swift joke. (laughs) I feel like a a rift on it, though, with the re-education centre. Right, yeah. Fine. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll screenshot and post that to our Twitter feed later. The first storyline is our last storyline, so our second storyline is buying the rovers. So this is there's a lot of buying and selling this week, wasn't there? So we joined. We started the week with the front page of the Weather Gazette saying double scammy, double scammy that Daisy was trying to hide from Jenny. Yes, but ended up. It was Johnny who told Jenny. Right. Because those two have a really strange relationship now that they're no longer... Well, they're still technically they're, married. They're still technically they're, they're married. They're separated. They seem and to be getting still... on better than they did before. Were, yeah. Almost. Yeah. Seems like both of them are okay. They're both adults. They're both adults. Yeah. Yes. But again, in soap plan, does that really count for anything? I don't know. Good. Anyway, yeah. we start with the double scammy on the newspaper and Daisy. And then Daisy's taking revenge on Sean by taking all these shifts. I thought at the end of last week that Daisy had a call from the bank mm-hmm. and the loan was cancelled. Yes. That doesn't seem to be the case because she still has her loan. But to repay that loan now, rather than using the profits that she was bragging about from Double Glammy last week, right? now she's wanting to get as many shifts as she can from the Rovers, plus this allows her to shaft Sean yes. and give him well, so few shifts. She thinks this allows her to do that. So few shifts that he thinks that he's sacked. Mm-hmm. And that isn't the case. And also, I believe that's illegal. In the UK or the US? Either. So it happens in the US, as yeah, it does. As young master Nick yes. will be able to tell us. Yes. So Kirk is in looking for his hot pot. It turns out that he's there as a kind of shit stirrer. We're not. We're not going to talk about why he's in there as a shit stirrer. Gemma finds out that Sean has been shafted. She's none too happy with this. She's not. She gets Emma in on it. Yeah. Who gets Kirk in on it. I don't know why they need Kirk to go and order a hot pot, because surely it's just a matter of time before someone orders a hot pot. But they're trying to pitch it to Daisy that Sean is the only person who knows how to make the show, the hot pot. Right. So if you get rid of Sean, you're getting rid of the hot pot. Right. And, and then they also try and make out that this is the main reason why people come into the rovers in the first place which isn't as for hot pots and for fights <laughs> right which was hilarious right so uh-huh. yeah um so emma says this to daisy and so daisy tells emma to just look up a recipe online for hot pot how hard can it be she says how hard can it be to emma right right who let's remember last year around this time 
had her hand stuck in a vase. For two straight episodes. For two straight episodes. Which crossed a week. Yes. So yeah, so she has a bold attempt at making this hot pot. It mm. is not to Kirk's satisfaction. But, no. But I think he would say that it wasn't to his satisfaction anyway to get Daisy into the shite. Yes. Absolutely. So Jenny finds out from Johnny about the right. the double glammy stuff because Daisy's been trying to hide the paper yes. from Jenny. Yes, which was hilarious. She's like, oh no, it's just junk mail. Mm-hmm. Johnny is assuming that the deal is off. Right, because of the double scam, I think. Because of this. Jenny is confused. Johnny... Right. Disabuses her of this. Right, opens up the paper. So then Jenny has to go in and sort everything out. And this is Jenny being. Oh, it's fantastic. Landlady extraordinaire. She was fantastic Jenny. with all of them. Mm-hmm. And in the, so Jenny comes in and she yells for Daisy. Daisy goes in to talk to her, and Gemma says to Emma, Right, this is our time to leave. Let's <laughs> stage a walkout. Right. Right, so the, and so they do. So the rover has been left completely empty. So Ed, rather than coming in, seeing that there's nobody there, and then leaving, right, comes in, sees there's nobody there, then goes through the private room in the bag, <laughs> right. tucks his head in, cooey. So desperate for a pint, I assume. So that yeah, so she she reads the right act to. So Daisy, and then she gets everybody else in. She gets Sean in, she gets Emma in, she gets Gemma in. Strangely enough, in all of this bit of this part of this storyline, she doesn't get Ryan in. No, there's no mention of Ryan. And we don't really see Ryan's name on the rota, do we? I didn't see it. It was very quick. Which is weird, considering that Ryan's employment at the Rovers will become prominent in the discussion later. Kind of important in another storyline. Yes. But he has no say in any of that. No, yeah, and he's not brought into this meeting. He's filming on different days that we've seen. Right, apparently. Daisy is still kind of under the impression that she's part owner Mm -hmm. of the Rovers, even though at the best she was only ever going to be a 5% owner. Because she's yeah. paying a deposit. Right. I saw somebody say that, that they don't think it's possible for a bank to give you a loan to put a deposit down on something because that's essentially getting a 100% mortgage. Right. When everything is a loan. Yeah, that really confused me. <laughs> right. I thought that... She, I was under the impression that she had gotten the money herself, that it was her money, that she had saved up enough from Double Glammy to pay for the deposit. Her None profits, of this makes any sense. No, well, by all accounts. Well, last week her profits were were so good that she could get the loan. Right, but again, like you said, that doesn't make any sense because that would be like a hundred percent mortgage. Mm. So yeah, so she's put in a place not only because Jenny is now saying that she's going to have to pay both. Right, because the only way that Daisy's going to get money is by doing a shift of the rover. So mm-hmm. it's coming out a. Jenny's pocket. Right, one way or the other. Right. So she might as well just pay it. So if she tightens her belt, she reckons that she, she can, she can, she can cover this. Yes. Which gets Daisy Completely out, of, out it. of it. Completely out of it. Which she's none too pleased about. No. Sean gets his shifts back. Right. But where's he going to live? Who? Sean. 
Yeah, he's not going to be able to afford that place that we've never seen before. That fancy pied de terre. Yes, that we've never seen. In the... In the place. I don't know, French Quarter, whatever, right? French Quarter of Manchester, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his fancy car. Right. Well, assumes he's losing all that. Is that him back at Eileen's then? That's know. where he was. I don't know. There's certainly room for him on Eileen's because left. Todd's gone. Mm-hmm. Mary's still there, though. And the whole Gemma and Emma thing was, well, we'll kind of let you off. You shouldn't have done mm-hmm. this, but... But you were doing it for the right reasons, blah, 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 blah. Oh, right, well. But it was great. It was great. Jenny, you know, the way Jenny's like, and you, and you, and you, and See, you over there. Lots of people think boom, that, boom, that boom. Jenny is like this archetype uh, landlady. Uh-huh. And I think we saw it there... I think it was Tuesday night this mm-hmm. was shown. I don't know. I th- to me, that this is Jenny finally becoming... Mm-hmm. You know, it's all very well standing behind the bar and, and with, yeah. with, the, with the bon mot and the quick mm-hmm. wit, but they're laying down the law and the... She's laid down the law a few times, a few other times, when people were trying to fight in the rovers, getting people out and stuff. Like when those people came in to... Abuse, Carla. So I, just, I, I love to see her like this. It's good. So the Rover stuff is kind of dealt with on Monday or Tuesday. And then on Wednesday we have this uh, sub-storyline of Johnny finding a new place to live. Yes, which was odd. Because he's still at the Rovers. Right. And, and, Jenny says, out. and now he's at the point where... So this is... I kind of get the impression that he doesn't give a fuck one way or the other about that, that his marriage now. All right, he really he, doesn't. Because he comes in and he sees Jenny talking to Ronnie. Yeah, and he has no problem with and it. And he's fine. And he even says to uh, somebody later on, you know, and they're like, well, aren't you going to be, you know, don't you want to move away from here so that you don't see Jenny with Ronnie all the time? And he's he's like, she has a right to be happy. <laughs> Where was this guy a few weeks ago? Right. Yeah, because he's in the in Roy's roles with Carla, mm-hmm. and he's talking about all the places that he could, he could go. Right. She's like, "Why are you getting this teeny tiny like one room place here when you could go anywhere?" And it looks like it's crossing his mind that he could be going to Australia. Yeah. But it doesn't. It gets or he gets a place on to, Street. He could, he could go to France with um, Eva. Yeah, with Eva and the baby. Rosie. No, not Rosie. No. What's the baby's name? Susie. Susie. Is it Susie? Yes, it's Susie. It ends in I-E. Oh, little Susie. Yes. On the toilet. Yeah, that's, that's what <laughs> I'm sure she's using the toilet by now. She's got to be like, what, three? Four? Probably three, yeah. Three yeah. So, he and Jenny then... He's telling her that he's moving to Modley Street, which is just round the corner, and she'll be able to see him coming to the shower. Weirdly enough. Right. They have a little drink to talk about, to talk about the good times that they've had yes. together. And after a few drinks, Johnny is getting a little bit. Well, he's not maudlin, but he is getting a bit maybe overly yeah. self reflective and talking about. A star is born, how 
Jenny's star is on the rise and right. his and, is on the wane. And, and yeah, and there's and it, and it gets a little cringy where Jenny's kind of mocking him well, she's, for being a gay icon. Well, she says of because both because a star is born all three a star is born movies star gay icons. Well, this is a joke. Yes, Judy Garland. Barbara Streisand and Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga, right. Yes. But I think this is her point, is she's trying to deflect away from the kind of seriousness of what he's talking about and how he's trying to pitch this as being Mm -hmm. she's on the rise and and he's on his way out kind of thing as he talks about the lady... uh, She said she talks about it being like, Uh when did you come over this kind of camp gay icon with the Lady right. Gaga stuff and he's like, oh no, I'm talking about the the classic version, the version back in 1950 whatever. with Judy Garland right, and then that's <laughs> when he realises that he really is a gay icon he, he's, he's now gay, Johnny apparently which is kind of an awkward right, unpleasant joke but fine we saw lots of pictures of Chris Christopherson today who was the other guy? Chris Christopherson was the one with uh, Barbara Streisand. Um, it was Bradley Cooper with Lady Gaga, mm-hmm. famously. Who was it with um, Judy Garland? James Mason. James Mason? James Mason. That James Mason? That one? Sh- sure. Well, that's not who I thought Johnny was talking about. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to talk about a star's born. So yes, that's pretty much that storyline. So your thoughts on Jenny running the rovers single-handedly then? Well, this is this is good. And I think I think in the end Ronnie is gonna help her out. They they do still kinda seem to be insinuating that because when he's in there, you know, calling her his queen you know, and, yeah, and, there's a little and, bit of ten- a little bit sexual night. tension. Yes, again this yes, week. we're we're bubbling that back up. We're we're <laughs> we're forcing that back up to the surface. Well, that's a matter of time before like. those shut buttons start to pop back open again. Uh-huh. Yeah, boing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because in the real world, when somebody says something like, "Well, tighten," I need to tighten my belt. Uh-huh. You worry about how that's going to progress because. You know, there's only so so much you can tighten. There's only so much you can squeeze out of a budget. Correct. And so planned, though. You say we're just going to have to tighten our belts. That means this problem is now resolved. Mm-hmm. So she's got the money that she needs. She'll be running the place single-handedly, maybe with a little bit of help from Ronnie. But yeah, maybe Ronnie's going to help pay back that loan. He's got the money. He wants to help. He wants to be her knight. He's still going to be hanging out there. Yeah. Living there. Yeah. Doesn't have a job. Does so have, he needs something to do. He does have a job. Does he? Yeah, where do you think all of his money comes he from? He sold that business. He sold it to his wife. Did he sell it? Mm-hmm. Alright, well then he doesn't have a business. Is he going to get divorced from her so he can That's already... Where have you been? This is all settled. I didn't know That's that the divorce... Done. Was the divorce finalised? She's signed the papers. Everything's, oh, right. everything's groovy. I, I must have been asleep that week, whenever that was. 
Anyway, yes, I like this. This works. This works for me. I was not happy with the idea of Jenny not being behind the bar. This seems like a kind of theme for the whole week where it's like they knew that notes weren't going to be written in any great uh, level of detail because there's an awful lot of things getting resolved. Yes. That's what it feels. This is a kind of resolution week. This is a week where the dust is allowed to settle. Kinda. And a few storylines. And there's a few storylines where, for some people, it feels like something is settled, and other people are like, oh, hell no. I think another settlement storyline is when we get James coming out again, again. James is coming out, so we've got to get this party started. Again. Again. So on Tuesday, James has a meeting with his manager that he's shitting... Because he thinks that his form dipped at the end of last season, Mm -hmm. which nobody mentioned at the end of last season. Mm -hmm. He thinks he might be getting transferred or a bit of a bollocking from from his boss. But it turns out that his manager's taking him out for lunch Mm -hmm. or dinner to the bistro. And Tommy O is retiring. What? We just found out that he's Rick the Chid's brother. Why? In, in, in real life. Why would he leave? Why would he leave now? No, he's representing the chins. Right. It's Tommy the chin O. <laughs> Tommy the Ocean. Oof. <laughs> Tommy Ocean. Does he bear thinking of it? Oh well, you know he did have that huge personality weird change, mm-hmm. so we can get rid of Tommy O. That's fine. Especially if James is going to be taking over number nine. We can't escape. Can't catch a break as far as noise is concerned. <laughs> can't can't escape the lawnmower. <laughs> Just amped it up. A louder version of that. There we go. <laughs> so yeah, so James is to be the the new number nine. I don't imagine this is how these conversations happen. How many of these conversations have you been in on? None. But I mean, this is this is what they do, right? It's like baseball. They've got the youth league. You know, the youth... Oh, do continue. And they pick from the youth league to fill spots, yes? It's like the minor leagues in baseball. Not really. So what is this youth league that James and... Uh, I don't think James is in the youth... James was playing for the, the first team. He was playing in the, in the senior squad. Because that's how he ended up being in the same dressing room as Tommy O. As Tommy O. And so what's the Well, point? that's what I understood anyway. It was like he was a sub and they brought him on occasionally. And right. So he wasn't like a mainstream. I don't know what that means, but I, I don't think he was a starting player because right. Tommy O was a striker. Right. Now James is going to be the striker. Okay. So he's but not the coach would just say, right. You're in the starting lineup now. You wouldn't take you out for... For lunch. For a lunch to talk about it. But in doing so, we're reintroduced to the guy who looks like he played the worm in Game of Thrones. It's Danny. Now, Danny left for that London, I think. He was going to go and be a chef. Doesn't look anything like the guy who plays the worm in Game of Thrones. Every time I see him, I think he's the guy that played the worm. They have completely different body shapes. Well, I haven't seen him naked. He yet. Has mu- yet. 
Danny has a much rounder head than the guy who plays the worm. Anyway, so he's back from wherever it was mm-hmm. on a temporary basis because he's got a job lined up in France. La France. Ooh la la. So he's away. Tomorrow, would you believe? Yes. So he just showed back up just to say goodbye. Right. Sure. So he's having lunch with uh, our James and we see a couple of lads sitting in the corner and give themselves a little nudge and they're, hey, they're looking look at up somebody on the phone and saying, that, that is him, it really is him. And they're taking photographs of uh-huh. Danny and James together and we find out... That Danny and James sitting across from one another, mm-hmm. not touching one another. No, certainly not, not having any kind of sexual contact with right, each other. Right, yes. Just in, in the bistro. Two men sitting at a table together. Like just they like are. the two men above them sitting like the at a table. Like the lads are. Yes. Like. So the next day, Michael, who's been looking out for James, he spots some stuff online ahead of the press conference suggesting that it was something really awful, wasn't it? It was was it not something like James should be taking an AIDS test as opposed to the knee? Yes. For a start, that really doesn't scan. No. It's awful as yeah. far as as far as banter goes. It's right. dreadful. Yes, it's just really awful. But but they yeah most of it was like that, which is. I mean, really AIDS. Right. AIDS. Weird. But the club have been have seen this. Mm-hmm. They briefed the press, and the press guy warns James that this might come up, yes. but not like that during the press conference, mm-hmm. because what they're going to do now is announce to the press that this guy that they've had on the books for a number of years is going to be Tommy O's replacement yes. again. Not something I think would happen. I think maybe it would if like your your striker is like your star player. I think maybe you would. Like so and so, because like when a quarterback retires from American football, you know, you're determined to draw comparisons here. Where comparisons don't really exist, you know, the 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 backup guy who takes his place, you know, there will be an announcement, and it will be a big deal will be made of it, because it's the quarterback. If it was somebody else on the team, they probably wouldn't s- make as big of a deal about it. I can see it if the. If the captain was retiring, they'd maybe announce the new captain and there'd Mm -hmm. maybe be a press conference there because you don't replace a captain every game. No. You can replace a striker every other couple of games or whatever. Yeah. So it's not something that you typically announce. But even if you replace him every now and again because he needs to be replaced because the main guy is out, ill, or just doesn't want to play or something... They're still not like the official. They're still not a member of the first official string, right? I really don't get this. I'm trying very hard. I think we have talked about this enough. Continue. So, <laughs> I, yeah. For the press conference, Aggie's back. Yay! Well, she sneaks in. She's not supposed to be back, but she sneaks in. She's on the she, show. Yeah, because she doesn't want to miss it. And the press only want to talk about what James does with his bobby. They don't want to talk about... But what he does with his ball. Right. So he decides, after the press office guy has said to them, look... Repeatedly. This isn't why we're here. Keep the questions about football. Keep the questions about football. The press 
the filthy animals that they are, just want to talk about homosexual intercourse. And they're ridiculous questions as well. It's like so dumb. Like, do you have a boyfriend? Sort of thing. Mm. Are you dating anyone? But, uh, well, at this point, he hasn't even admitted to... Right, yeah. So they haven't gone to that point yeah. yet. Is this a distraction for you? How do you feel about this? Sort of thing. But rather than follow the club line off, just answer this. the questions about yeah. football. Don't ask, don't tell. He says he definitely is isn't gay. gay. He's is gay. gay. He yeah. definitely is gay this time. I'm definitely gay. He's a gay, he's a Pisces, and his favourite food is mac and cheese now. Let's talk about football. But they don't really want to talk about football. No, yeah, so the next guy's like, oh, you're so brave, you know, and and thank you for answering these questions and stuff, and we're sorry that this has gone on. All that being said, do you have a boyfriend? Right. It's like, what? (laughs) So They really make the journos into, like, the biggest idiots. Pigs. That's how Spit Image had them. All this attention that James was worried about. Mm-hmm. He's right, he's getting the extra attention, mm-hmm. but now it's attention like he's the the cause celeb right, yeah. of this. He's a hero. He's now the poster boy of, of gay, gay footballers. Right. Gay black men, etc., etc., etc. And then, to make this James's best day, it turns out that Danny's not going to France after all. He decided not to just because of James's announcement. He was on his way. He heard the press right. conference. And it made him It decide. came on just after Fraser on the radio. <laughs> and it made him decide to stay. Yes. So he's he, come back. He's quit this great new job in France in the business that he wanted to be in. This he wants to be a chef. A chef in France, eh? Right, yeah. He wants to study being a chef in France. He's got this gig as a chef in France. And he's thrown it all away for James. And now he's going to work at the bistro with Debbie. Well, so we understand. Yes. Our video went out round at this point. And I think we're to understand that what we missed was the first non-socially distanced kiss yes. on Coronation Street yes. in a year and a half. Yes. And it was James and Danny. Yes. We didn't see that. No. We assume it was lovely. Yes, it sounded lovely. And then on Friday, the press turn up on James's door and it's Danny that deals with it and he tells yeah. them to bolt. He says he's the butler. Right. The headline on the paper is out exclamation mark, which can be taken a couple of ways, neither of which like that. Or also like that. It's out that James is now out of himself fully because as he said, he's been out to his teammates for a while and right. none of them have cared. Yeah, it's and that was that was one of the great things about that press conference that I really loved, you know. First it was like, Oh, what are your how, are you worried about what your teammates will say? They've known forever. Well, how are your parents going to deal with this? And, and and Ed is the one who shouts, Oi, we're fine with it. We're very proud of him. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. Right. And that was really nice. Because mm-hmm. remember, Ed was the homophobe. 
It was. It was making it very hard to like him at that point, remember? Because yes. we really wanted to like Ed. And yes. it was like, oh, this is becoming quite tricky because he was Danny's mate. And he wasn't sure about Danny, but then when Danny came out to him, he was like, well, okay, I'm okay with this because Danny's a mate. Mm-hmm. Then James thinks, well, that's, that's fine. He's going to be okay when I come out. Mm-hmm. And then he wasn't. And then he wasn't. <laughs> no. So there's out in that sense. Yes. But then there's out as in get out. Get out. Which is it? And we don't really get to see the much more than the byline from the back page of the right. where the gazette. But it's to so, assume it is to be assumed that it's because he's come out. Yeah. Yeah, because the the team isn't going to sack him for that. Right. So I'm glad that this has happened for a number of reasons. The the biggest reason because I kind of thought it had already happened. Right, yeah, because we knew he'd come out to his family and to his teammates. So we were like, why is he acting like he's not out of the closet? Oh, well, because he didn't do it to the public at large, mm-hmm. which was weird. After he had that little run-in with that scrote on the street, remember? Oh, yeah, remember that? Remember when he had Bethany as his beard? Right. Oh, that seems like it was an awful oh, long time ago, God. Yeah, because remember, it was because of all that. That Michael found Grace and that baby that wasn't his, but that he thought was his. Mm-hmm. Remember that story? But then got knocked up anyway. Afterwards. And then had a baby that is his. Right. Just to bring us and, entirely up to speed on that story. And yet that baby and Grace. Not in the show at all this week. Nope. They're in the basement. Gene <laughs> to all. I also like this because finally. We get a storyline with all of the Baileys again, mm-hmm. and hopefully, and long may it continue. Again, though, just, it's the Baileys as I say. Right, right, with very little, with very little interaction with other people on the street. Although, you know, in another storyline, somebody's going to say, "Oh, did you see that thing about James? Oh, yes, he's so brave." So people will be talking about it. But I mean. It would be really nice if James had a relationship with one of the established gays on the street as Mm -hmm. opposed to Danny coming back from France where he was supposed to be a chef. The problem is that if we have another gay character come onto the street, Mm -hmm. I think it's contractually uh, written that the first encounter he has has to be with Billy. Billy has to get first dibs on all the gays. Billy and James is not going to happen because that's that's it's an in age, the contract. It's that's an age difference. It's in the contract. That's that's too big of an age difference. That would be really really creepy. So they have to bring in Danny. They have to ship Danny in to oh. stop Billy getting his hands on James. Well, Billy's got his hands full with Todd. That doesn't stop him, Helen. We could put. James and Paul together, that wouldn't be bad. Or Craig could finally come out. They are jogging buddies already. Mm-hmm. Why not? And by jogging, <laughs> you mean running at half speed. Correct. In public. Interestingly, you know, we've had conversations about this in the past where I don't think, I think I saw it. Is, is this a big deal anymore? I didn't think it was going to be that much of a big deal, but the world has kind of changed since I've had that somewhat naive 
viewpoint. Right. That people do care about an awful lot of things that aren't really important. No, and they care about <coughs> what other people do with their junk. Right. More than they should. And their knees. Right. So people do care about things that they really shouldn't care about. Right. Or the things that they should care about, but in different ways. Right. <laughs> and there's also this dynamic that it would be one thing if he were a, a white kid coming out. Or even a white footballer coming out. But to be a black footballer coming out... You know, there's 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 so many layers there of what somebody could get offended by. Cause uh, we just had our first official American footballer come out of the closet and say that they are gay, and you know, while they are still playing. Cause we've had footballers who were gay who came out after their career had ended, after they had retired. Right. This is. Uh, this guy's the first one. And it it seemed kind of like a non-story until it was found out that he's also a Republican. And then that became the story more than the fact that he was, he came out because he was a white guy, you know? He's a linebacker, isn't he? Yeah. Could have told you that. <laughs> Our next storyline today is Gail's Playlist of Death. So on Tuesday, she's singing a song about an octopus as our girl. Only it's not about an octopus, it's about an optimist. I think it's a Bastille, is it Bastille song? I think I've got that wrong. I'm 47. <laughs> it turns out that she's still in contact with Sam. And yeah. she's still in contact with Natasha. She's still cleaning for Natasha. And she's also homeschooling Sam? <laughs> right. What happened to the whole deal with Daniel? Why would Daniel get the shaft from this whole deal? He's not Nick. He's not even related to Nick. He doesn't like Nick. Maybe it was just a made-up part of the storyline. Perhaps. So then we see Sam bumping into Nick outside the tram station and Natasha isn't keen on this being allowed to happen. No. Sam is very much wanting it to happen. Yes. And Nick is, well, we've said to Natasha that we won't do this. Right. We can't do this until yes. you know, something changes to make right. this okay again. So this irks David to the point where he starts to give Gail a hard time about yes, this. David all of a sudden cares about somebody else. Right. When did this happen? Mm. And he gives his mum such a hard time about this that she starts to complain about having chest pains. And this isn't enough to get him to back off. No. Or even get him to ask, what's wrong? Right. Then she sees uh, Sarah and Nick arguing about Nick wanting to sell up his shares. his shares in the factory. Right. Now, this whole share thing kind of confused me. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if we missed something because of the whole lack of video or whatever, but something happens later that comes as a great surprise. I think it came as a surprise to you as well. Yes. Yes. Nick wants out of the factory. He wants to spend time, More time with, with Leanne. Leanne. They want to go off and kind of be by themselves and figure things out, just the two of them. And he wants to focus on his family, which right now is Leanne and Simon. And he says to Sarah, you're more than welcome to buy my shares. Yes. But she's only got three quid on a button. Right. And Nick, the... 
top businessman that he is uh-huh. decides not to sell for that price. Right. Then we see David in the kitchen... With the super soaker. Soaking the floor. Yes. On the phone to Gail saying... That the pipe has burst. You better get over here because it's your house now, remember? You need to get this fixed. And it's him that's flooding his own kitchen. Yes. And the reason for that is so that Gail will come back from Natasha's... With Sam. With Sam, which is what she does... Yes. And then David can say, good, because Nick's on his way. Yes. And then then David is kind of begging Gail to allow this to happen. Right, when Nick to allow Nick to have time with Sam. But then when Nick finally arrives... Nick is pissed. He's the one that's pissed off. Yes, and starts yelling at David for putting this together. And David's like, oh, I finally care about other people, and then you're going to yell at me for that? And then, what? And then he starts yelling at Gail as well, saying, you need to get him out of here. Right, yeah, and Gail's like, this wasn't even my rodeo. She I didn't even want to do this. She doesn't know She doesn't know what to do for the best here. Right. She can't do right for doing wrong. No. And then she decides, or she says that she's feeling bad. She's got to go outside. She needs to stagger outside while Nick and David continue to argue inside. Get some air. And then outside, Sam comes down. Right. And he recognises the signs here that... Something is very wrong with Granny Gale. Granny Gale's having a heart attack and he says to her, I don't know what's happening here. You're You're having having a heart heart attack. attack. Which I think somebody who's having a heart attack probably doesn't want to hear. No. (laughs) But she doesn't, she's standing there with her hand on the fence, one hand on the fence and one hand on her chest. She's not breathing heavily. She's not about to pass out. She's not like, oh, I need to sit down or I need to lay down or anything. She's just standing there. Having a heart attack, quietly. She just doesn't want to make a fuss. You know, that wouldn't surprise me. She doesn't want to make a fuss. But the reason why, how you know that something's wrong is... She needs... She wants her She mom. wants to see her mum. <laughs> right? Because then, like, everybody wants to... Because Sam goes back into the house... Right. To try to get one of the adults... Because they're still arguing, right? To try to get one of the adults to help. And they, and they start yelling at him. And then he's like, no, wait! Granny Gill's having a heart attack. Call the ambulance. So that happens. Sarah runs out of the factory at that point... And then she starts yelling at Nick and David saying, why didn't anybody tell me? And they're like, because we didn't know either. This just happened. And then everybody wants to get in the ambulance with her. And she says, no, I want me ma'am. Mm-hmm. Audrey of all people. Audrey, I don't know if she's happy about this. But anyway, <laughs> she goes to the hospital with Gail and is on the phone. With David. Or Nick. Tell them that it's meatball day at the hospital, at the hospital which is why Gail wants to be here, obviously, because yeah. it's meatball day. Yeah, the nurse said and that Gail's in luck because it's meatball day. And isn't Sam so clever for knowing that there was a heart attack? Because all Audrey can be bothered right. about. I'd yeah. quite liked for Audrey to get Sam's name wrong again, <laughs> but wrong differently. Yes. So it wasn't Sam, it was, or Ben, it was something else that she said. So Gail looks like she's going to pull through. She's going to be alright. 
Yeah, at no point in this did she look like she was about but, ready to die. But there's this great long scene that's between Gail and Audrey. Yes. Where they're chatting back and forth and she's reminiscing about that time that she fucked off to Thailand two years ago. Right. And Audrey says that the biggest mistake that she made when she came back is she's made herself indispensable, indispensable to everyone else. And Gail recognises that there's truth in that and she gets no thanks from nobody about it. Right. All she gets is pain and heartache and people shouting at each other. Right. Our family just constantly arguing. Right. But at least she's helping, unlike her mother, who was, who neglected her. And Audrey says, oh, that wasn't, that was, was... I just had a different viewpoint on right, raising, raising children. children. Right, I learned it from Sally, Jesse, Raphael, or Ricky Lake. What right, was it too, right. <laughs> just strange name check. Right, it was, I was like, wait a second, did Audrey raise her in America? In the 1980s. Right. When Gail was already an adult. An adult, there we go, that's the way to finish that. Yes, she was already an adult when Ricky Lake was a a thing. So, something's wrong with Audrey. It turns out that that Gail's turn has thawed Natasha a little, and she doesn't care that Nick saw Sam. And Audrey says, Audrey says that what with sinkholes ex-girlfriends, secret sons, and Shona. Gail's had enough, yes. and she's fucking off out of weather fields. Right. So. Fuck y'all. Fuck y'all. Then, on Friday, it turns out that Nick has forgotten all about his mum, and he's thrown a surprise 40th birthday party for Leanne in the flat. Yes. He's bought her shoes. Yes. And they're the right size. And also massive 40 balloons. Mm-hmm. She doesn't look like she's wanting to celebrate her 40th birthday. No, it doesn't look like she wants to celebrate anything. And Roy's role, Sarah needs Nick for a Joe LaFoe meeting coming up. We've got a Joe LaFoe mention. I know. Quite a few Joe LaFoe name checks. Oh, let's get the Joe LaFoe klaxon sounding. But he's Arruga. dedicated to Leanne today yes. because it's her birthday, so yeah. tough titty. Yeah, so Sarah, you're going to have to do this. He decides to do... do one stage more than the bare minimum that you can do here, which uh-huh. is to get Carla involved in mm-hmm. the, the GLF meeting. Right, and Carla says, no dice. Right. Because she carries a grudge a long way in a bucket. Absolutely. So Nick just avoids the meeting, and Joe LaFleur seemingly Lafleau. is interested in going elsewhere now. Yes. In the meantime, Sarah and Adam are chatting about buying Nick's shares. Why is Sarah not at this Joe LaFoe meeting if it means so much to her? I can't remember her reason why she said she couldn't do it. Was it just because she's having lunch with Adam? Adam has the money to to do this. Yes, he does. He was thinking about expanding the business, but seems happy enough with Imran. (laughs) (laughs) And is quite happy to throw some money at this. And just let Sarah be right. the manager yeah. of the thing. Because, you know, they're married now, so his money is her money. Yeah. As it should be. Back at the flat, Toya comes round, because Toya's in it this week, with candles and a chocolatier voucher for yes. two. And she has a little point to herself, uh-huh. maybe, yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, and it was hilarious when Leanne's like, oh, candles. <laughs> She's got candles and shoes. A great band. <laughs> and a chocolatier thing. The Nick comes in to announce it. He sold his shares. You know why I love you, my darling? What? You've never bought me a candle. I bought your shoes. I have bought your shoes. You have bought me shoes. Yeah, a few pairs of shoes. Yes. So in the factory... Shoes that I have loved. Right. Nick announces to a gathered throng that includes Sarah and Adam and Beth. Beth is back! Everyone's in. Everybody's here today. We've got a new majority shareholder. It's someone who means an awful lot to the factory, and the factory means right. an awful lot to her. Ladies and gentlemen, roll your feet your hands together, together for Carla Connor, Barlow, whatever. And Sarah's like, "What the fuck?" And and Sally still calls her Mrs. Connor. Yeah. Even though she's Mrs. Barlow now. You get a little. Was never Mrs. Connor. I like the little uh, insights that you get off. The, the universe that exists outside the storyline because mm-hmm. Sally doesn't care Sally's actually quite happy with this yes so, Sally in, is quite pleased and in, licking boots in the storyline you have all this uh, conflict of right. between Sarah and Nick for mm-hmm. the, the shares and Carla right. probably wants to stick one over right. Sarah for all the shit she's had to put over right. so there's all this resentment and uh, drama and politics and it's very on. confusing all this is going on inside the storyline, but outside the storyline, Sally don't give a shit. She's quite happy. I really like that. Yeah, she loves Mrs. Connor. So, it seems Sarah that Nick Connor. didn't get Sarah's message. Right. I wasn't aware that there was a message. Yeah, she, because she called him up. Oh, I missed that. When Adam said that, yes, it was all good, that his he, his finan- he got off the phone with his financial advisor. Keith. Keith. It's not really Keith, is it? Kevin. It might be Keith. Keith. Who knows? Um, and it's while they're arguing that he finally gets the ding that with the voicemail. Right. But and this seems the paperwork like, and the money have been exchanged. This is a done deal. How how did this all happen so quickly? In an afternoon. In an afternoon. This seems oddly quick. And it was also really confusing because a little while ago, it seems like Carla does not give a fuck about the factory She spent anymore. six months trying to get away from it. Right. She gave her shares away to the Knicker people. Oh, the Knicker people? Remember the Knicker people? Remember the Knicker people. Remember the songs of the Knicker people? Yes. Give us one. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my guitar. I'll sing a song of the Knicker people. I'll light people. a bonfire right here in this hotel room. Burn our Knickers. <laughs> Thus summoning the Knicker people. <laughs> Carl insists that Sarah is an important cog in the underworld machine, mm-hmm. but she's kind of saying that she's a got smirk. a smirk. Right. She got the money from Johnny. So now we understand why Johnny hasn't moved to Australia. He can't afford it anymore. He can only afford the place around the corner. Right. Because he's funded. Because he used to own the factory. Right. And see, this is the whole thing. It was while she, they were. This is obviously something that happened. During that conversation at Roy's Rolls between Carla and Johnny, you know, after she said, well, what are you going to do with your money? Because, you know, you could have done all of these things and you don't really want it because you're getting old and you're like, 
there's not there's not really enough time for me to start over again. Right. It's kind of, was kind of the way Johnny was, and it was kind of like, oh, this is nice. We're getting a conversation between Carla and Johnny. We rarely get that anymore. Yep. The show rarely remembers that they are related. Yeah. But this is why, so that they could do the whole switcheroo with with Carla and Sarah and and Nick, and confuse the heck out of us. So that is Nick now out yes. of this. Mm-hmm. And remember, the only reason that he was in this was to piss off Carla in the first place when Peter sold his, sold share his shares of the factory to Nick. So those, the shares that Peter sold to Nick are now getting picked up by Carla, but she'd already given away the shares that she had to, to the, the Nicker people. people. Right. So, <laughs> and then she marries Peter, who was pissed off at with her at, at, at that point, and they weren't together at that point, and that's one of the right. reasons why he was willing to sell to Nick, because he liked to see Carla uncomfortable. Right. <sighs> This it's was much all... simpler when Mike Baldwin owned it and people just got on with their fucking jobs. Right. Now we have red... the shares. Now we have red strings strung up all over this room <laughs> and we're frantically trying to connect people and we look crazy like that guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Moving on then. Moving on. Alia and Ryan. Not an awful lot happened here other than Alia and Ryan are back this week. Because everyone's back this week. Yes, and... They're, they're still having... They're having issues finding time for each other. Right. Because Following the Yasmin stuff. Right. And following Tim's mum about the house. Right. God rest that theme tune. Yes. Do, do, do. No, that's not it. No. Gosh, I can't even remember it now. Do, 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 do. Oh, God, that's do, what do, it goes. Do, 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 do. No, wait, that's that's Magnum PI, isn't it? Nope. What is that? So the eighteen? Yes! What's the eighteen? So That's so, Ryan and Alia in a big black vest so, with Mr. T. Faceman has a scam that he's running. <laughs> In Florida. It's the face. I don't think he was called Face Man. It was just Face. Face Man Templeton Peck. That's how it was described in the novels <laughs> of the A-Team. Yeah, so they're having trouble finding time for each other. They're still wanting to find a new place. Ryan's not working or he's just getting very occasional Yes, he's not getting enough shifts at the Rovers. Alia's not doing the DJ gigs at Speed Dial anymore. No. So finally, Tim's dad gets his way. <laughs> and uh, where else did they work? Was that it? Just lounged about that, that house that Michelle used to own. So. Didn't he also sort of to... work for, at the Beast? Why doesn't he go back to work at the Bistro for Debbie? You'd think he could get a job there. Debbie's back as well because we saw Debbie. Yes, we did see Debbie. Because Debbie's hiring Danny. Right. He, she could, uh, and she's looking for people. She's trying to get more people. Why does Ryan not go there at all in any of this? Why does no one say, hey, you know what? You like to bartend. You like to serve. 
Why don't you go back to the bistro? You don't have to deal with that skeezy guy who tried to feel up your mom anymore. We find out that the community centre has been sold yes. and Yasmin's debts mm-hmm. have been cleared. And so she's relieved. That is that storyline done. Yes. David g- gives Ryan a strange bit of advice when they're hanging out, they're washing. Basically, don't settle down and have kids. Which gives Ryan some pause to think about right. his relationship don't do what with I've Alia. Done. And also, we can see that the sinkhole is still there. So sinkhole what the hell, there. Natasha? Right. I thought you were going to fix this. She talks a good game. <laughs> yeah, there's fencing round about it. So, Ryan is now kind of playing it a little bit cool with Alia. He's arranged some things that she's pulled out of. and Right, he wants to do indoor golfing with her, but she's going out with her, with Yasmin instead. Mm-hmm. To a spa or whatever. Right, yeah. And, and he didn't plan this right or anything and she's like we could do it some other time he goes to the rovers where daisy comes on to him a little bit yeah she he talks, talks about, about being his a, pretty eyes he talks about being a, a dj and and an ibiza oh where did you dj because she used to work there and yeah. oh it wasn't those sort of places so but she tells him it doesn't kind of make it seem like maybe that's not what he was doing in ibiza right. or that he's he... running drugs probably <laughs> so she tells him to follow his passion. He goes home and he does a set at four o'clock in the afternoon that's been streamed globally. Mm-hmm. And Alia is really supportive of him, but needs to know when he's going to start bringing in some money. Right. And that's kind of where we're left with that. You know what he should do? Kofi.com. He should have like his live stream, like, you know put in the Ko-Fi thing so that people who listen to his live stream can buy him coffees. And then somebody would come in. That's a seamless segue. It is. And Ko-Fi.com slash the talk of the street for you can... I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> but I mean, that's what that's what a lot of live streamers do is they have on uh, on Slack and stuff. Mm-hmm. They they have people buy and, you know, and, and it will come up and they'll thank the people in the live stream yeah and and you know sometimes it'll be a thing where they you pay money and then they have to say whatever you have them say sort of thing and, and that can get creepy and awkward but i don't think ryan would have a problem with that there are ways to dj live streaming on the internet and make money yeah you need people to be listening to though right well he seems to be getting some listeners worldwide yeah like four or whatever <laughs> So he want she want he wants to do um, DJing at Speed Dog again. He's basically he's wanted to follow his dream now. Right now that Daisy's told him to follow his dream, that's what he wants to do. Alia is kind of poo pooing it and just wants him to contribute financially so that they can move out and get a place of their own. I don't think he's going to like the fact that she's moving in and these uh, or making these kind of mm-hmm. um, requests from him that are so formal and fiscal right. based he wants to be a bit of a free spirit with his dj and, right. and then they're going to end up splitting up right and that's not good and i don't want him to be in a relationship with daisy because why nobody deserves that <laughs> not even ryan nope you know and there's this whole thing where uh alia is using canned music in the speed doll again and ryan's like why are you doing that why can't i just dj Nobody likes like, this music. Then Kathy comes in and says, like, oh, I like this shit. Oh, I love this song. Mm-hmm. That was funny. 
that it feels like that's what this is moving towards is just the end of this relationship. It's gone as far as it can. Why do we keep breaking people up when there are enough single people on the street to match people up with? Because they don't find drama in comfortably together people. Yeah, but some of us don't like to see some of our favourite couples break up. <laughs> True. And I like Ryan and Alia together. I think they're cute together. I, en- I enjoy their relationship because she's very type A and he's not. And I think that works. She is so type B. Yeah. You know, they, they smooth one another's edges off a little bit. And I and I really enjoyed that. And he was so supportive through the whole Yasmin thing. And he was so brave sticking up for Yasmin. And well, I was going to say, they've been through an awful lot together. They really have. Ugh. But it feels like it is being wound Moved. down. Right? Yeah. And I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea of Daisy and Daniel getting together and barbing with one another. I feel find that's more fun than... Ryan and Daisy. The good thing that we learned from the storyline, though, was David's little uh, trick about hanging trick up clothes. Hanging the tops from the bottom and, and the bottoms, bottoms from, from the, the top. top. I've lived my life by that mantra. <laughs> I intend to continue. It was really cute seeing Ryan and, and David hanging up clothes and having a conversation over the fence with one another. Yep. Because back in the day, the that's echo always... coming from the sinkhole. <laughs> But, you know, back oh, in the goblins day, coming out of the sinkhole. Back in the day, that would be, you know, a scene that you would see between two housewives in their backyards chatting to one another across the fence while they're hanging up their clothes and stuff. But mean, so it was, really, yeah. it was really fun to see two men doing that. Of course, hanging up there. Right, over a sinkhole. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I liked, I did like that. That was one of my, that was one of my favorite scenes of the week, even though David's advice is horrible. Horrible, right. except of course when it comes to clothes. Penultimate storyline is Summer's diabetes. Ugh, diabetes. Not very much going on here. There's Rest in has peace, gone Wilfred Brimley. And uh, Brett Michaels from Poison. He's still alive, isn't still, he? He can still rest in is peace he, though, can't he? Maybe Brett Michaels isn't alive? Oh yes, he's very much alive. Is he alive? Yeah, but I wish him to be peaceful. <laughs> Not a huge amount happens in this. Summer has gone from... It felt like she'd made some kind of peace with this diagnosis last week. Now she's not. Now she's being uh, a moody teenager about it. Well, and that's to be expected. That At first you're kind of like, well, fine. And then you're just like... She doesn't want to learn how to inject herself. She wants Billy to do it for her. And Billy is getting pissed off at doing it. And which is fucking awful because that's you're the parent here mm-hmm. you're the one who was like so helicopter parenty about about stuff and so concerned but now when you realize something has happened why why not just do it for her Cause he's I, alive you can put it down he's alive because i remember i remember when i had to give myself injections you know, I did it myself, and it was fine, but it was also nice to not have to do it mm. every once in a while and make you do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I remember that, yeah. It was fun, wasn't it? No. Didn't you Didn't you love injecting me with poisonous medications that killed my immune system? No. 
wasn't the highlight of that <laughs> vacation, which I was on, by the way. It was love. And Roy Rolls, Addy, who's had a haircut, is doing his best to chat up Summer. Rest in peace, Addy's hair. <laughs> I am so upset by that haircut. Yeah, I, like I, I, I like his hair long. I do not like the weird hard lines on the sides of his head. Grow out your hair again, Addy, please. <laughs> and he almost asks Summer out on a date. But says that there's some year 12s that are meeting right. on the red rape. Oh, yeah. Some of us are gathering together. You want to come with? It's a group thing. <laughs> totally. Strange how Addy now sounds like your ex-husband. <laughs> so back at the... Back home. Oh, dear. Uh-huh. That's what that voice is. Back home, it seems that Summer's had a nurse's appointment right. that she's dingied, right. or she wants to dingy because she wants to go to the Red Wreck thing. Yeah. But Billy's been a bit of a tyrant here. Yes. And Todd tells her that she'll get used to giving herself the injections, mm-hmm. which helps nobody. Right. And she becomes really quite upset about, yeah. about doing like, this. And then, I can't remember if this happened or not, but I have a memory of a scene where Summer comes home and there's nobody there. And it's like Billy has fucked off deliberately so that Summer will have to inject herself. Which is the most passive-aggressive thing an archdeacon can do. to can a do. child. Right. Because she's still a child. You know, I can kind of... But that of, may not have happened. I can kind of understand, you know, well, you're going to need to learn how to do this because we're not always going to be around. I can understand that. However, she is still just a child, so maybe... You take care of it for the most part, you know? And don't make a big deal about it. Because obviously it's upsetting her. Then maybe you need to help her. Mm-hmm. She's may- still a kid. Maybe there's something else going on here that is making this such a a big issue for her. Right. Maybe there's something else that she needs to be talking about. Right. And neither Billy nor Todd are very good at being... Todd is just crack a shit joke. Yeah. He is a shit joke. I'm telling you, see if this whole Todd gets found out thing isn't coming up soon. Fingers crossed. Because this is the way that it's moving. It's moving towards this. Mm -hmm. It needs to happen. It really does, because they're just the worst parents ever. Finally... The last storyline is oh Alina's dear. popping one out. <laughs> oh, God. Really? That's what you went with? On Tuesday, Ruby's back. Yay! And she's in her mid-twenties. <laughs> it does feel like that, doesn't she's it? She's 23 years old now. Because you haven't seen these kids for like a year and you know what kids are like. Tyrone and Fizz are trying to explain what's happened to Kirsty and Ruby is confused when... And she doesn't When hear. Mummy... What do you mean Mummy? Mummy's, Mummy's sitting there. Right there. She's fine. Oh, no, no, no. no not Mummy, your mum. The Mummy Oh, that... I don't give a fuck about her. Right, Ruby. yeah. She's just Kirsty and she's like, Kirsty in, in Hope's class, no, Kirsty no. Jenkinson, the one that has the no, horse? No. And Tyrone's like, oh, why are we... Why are we even bothering doing this? Why are we this? even bothering doing this? She does not care. Alina, though, she's getting jealous when she's walking down the street and her pregnancy test falls out. 
of her bag. Yeah. And when she looks up, there's Tyrone and Fizz together. Right. They've gone to the park or yes, something. Yes, they've taken they've taken Ruby to the park to I don't know. Let her play and think about what she's done by not remembering her <laughs> biological mother. Right. So like, maybe we'll 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 go let her play and then we'll talk about it some more later and maybe then it will sink in. Or maybe she just doesn't care, guys. Maybe this is a conversation you have with her when she's sixteen and she asks why Nobody ever talks about her mum. Right, why everybody in the family's white except for her. Why, why can't I get a horse? Right. That's that. That's the right. thing for that conversation. You can't get a horse because your biological mum is dead. Right. Nobody's talking about that's how, the rule. how sick... If your biological mum is dead, you can't have the horse. Right. How sick Alina's looking. No. Because her eyes are awful. so black She's and so sunken. sunken she finds out at the factory, because she works at the factory, remember? Yes. She finds out from Sally that there's a history with this Kirsty. No one's, no no one's sad to see it. the back of her. No. That she wasn't a good person. No. She Tyrone was an awful person. was lucky to get out of that alive, basically. Right. And Alina's like, well, how come I know nothing about this? So she's not happy about it, and she gets her revenge by peeling her stick and thrusting it in Tyrone's face. She's pregnant. You did this to me. And you didn't tell me about getting beaten up by your ex-partner. Right. And well, I still have problems talking about this to yes. people. Even to me. And that's understandable. Yes, and that's totally understandable. And why can you talk to Fizz about it? Because Fizz is the one who helped me get out of that relationship. Mm-hmm. So she knows about it, so I don't really have to talk about it as much to her because she knows. Ty can't deal with any of this and goes off to see the, the Undertaker. Solicitor. Oh, yeah, the Undertaker. And is confused by the idea behind a cardboard coffin. Yes. Because won't it fall to pieces? An Undertaker. This is the one who says, won't it fall to pieces when you're trying to put it in the... It's built very, very soundly. It, it's built very soundly. It's fine. I quite like the idea of that. Yeah, me too. Please do. <laughs> so... Elsewhere, Evelyn works out from... Put Gav <laughs> in cardboard. All right. Whenever. Whenever. Whenever you have a spare minute. <laughs> she works out that Alina's up the duff. Mm-hmm. Can't remember exactly how that happens. Because Emma... Oh, Emma goes on about how sick. Yeah. Emma, it comes in when Tyrone is talking to Evelyn in Dev's. And Emma asks how Alina is doing because she's feeling so ick, so so sick and everything, and oh, it was so awful, and we were starting to think that maybe she was dot, dot, dot. That's and when Evelyn, Evelyn puts, puts those together. dots together and says, oh, God, no. And she confronts Tyrone with this, mm-hmm. who oddly, I don't know if he's just doing this, as a front, mm-hmm. he oddly seems to try and sell that he's pleased about this. That he wants the baby. Yes. To Evelyn. Hmm. I think it's just I think it's just a defence mechanism at this point. Right. 
Then it's Kirsty's funeral the next day. Alina's too sick to go with the morning sickness. They've had a discussion about the baby and... And at first it seemed like they were going to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. It but seemed then, that that was exactly what was going to happen. Right, and that this and it was exactly what should happen. And then Alina's like, but she gives she lays out all the reasons why they shouldn't have a baby right now. And then she says, but and then Tyrone sees all those reasons for not having a baby right now mm-hmm. as being reasons for having a baby right now. That the relationship has been so crazy right. so far. Yeah. Why not continue in that vein right. and have a baby? Right. Because well, because it's a baby. Right. <laughs> Babies. Uh, he lies to Fizz about why Alina can't go to the funeral. And it's a weird, stupid reason. Like, she has an online meeting or something. Not, oh, well, she's just not feeling well. Right. Only six people turn up to the funeral. I can't imagine who those are other than... Fizz and Tyrone. And the Undertaker. That's three. Ruby? No. Too young to go. Surely too young to go. And then Fizz invites Tyrone back for a drink. Yes. Afterwards. And it's nice because they seem to be... Burying the hatchet. Right. Getting all that animosity has now been uh, levelled thanks Mm -hmm. to the, the Kirsty thing. Right. Put everything into perspective. Yes. They need to get on for the kids. Right. That's what they're going to do. Yes. Everything is now out in the open. Right. Ah, says Tyrone as he grabs his collar a wee bit. <laughs> then on Friday, Alina's less than impressed when Tyrone tells her that Fizz is going along with him to a probate hearing at Imran's. Right. While she has a midwife appointment. Yes. And outside the medical centre, Evelyn tells Alina that Tyrone is terrified of having a kid. Right. And then Tyrone and Fizz are coming out of the solicitors. Right. And Tyrone's like, and and Fizz wants to go and have another drink and everything. He's like, no, I have to go with, see, you know, I have a thing with uh, Alina. And Fizz follows him. Saying, oh, well, that's fine, I'll just walk you over there. Why? Mm-hmm. No reason. So Tyrone basically starts to run. Right. And Fizz runs starts after to, him. Right, and still doesn't seem to get the point that she doesn't want her, he doesn't want her around for obvious reasons. So then she sees Helena going into the medical centre, the right. truth has to come out, and she is now horribly hurt that she's been kept in the dark about this. And she storms off. Yes. Yes, she does. Apparently her mum's been giving her advice. It's nice to hear mention a seller, even if it is without her name getting mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then she twigs back home from a conversation with Evelyn that Evelyn must have known about yes. this as well. She and didn't seem very... She goes from sitting there with Evelyn and telling her that she's more of a mum to her than her own mum is and that she really appreciates her. And then all of a sudden... The ball drops and she's like, wait a second, you didn't seem all that surprised. She said, well, I'm an old woman, I don't get surprised anymore. Right. So you knew. So you knew. So. You didn't tell me. She's like, it wasn't my story to tell. Right, which is a fair enough. Yes. But Fizz's point is, if you're keeping his secrets from him, then you can't live here. Right. Yeah. Blood is thicker than water mm. and obviously you care more about Tyrone than me. 
So Which is ridiculous. Evelyn realises the gravity of this situation and mm-hmm. losing her place to live, goes round to see Alina and Tyrone, Tyrone and tells them both that they have to be far more uh, considerate of Fizzy's feelings in right. the future. And also points out how difficult this is for her because she loves Fizz and the girls. She also loves Tyrone. And they're, they're sticking her in the middle of this a little bit here and making it very uncomfortable for her. Mm-hmm. And she also says, you know, she, she's actually quite kind, finally, to Alina as well. She's like, look, once you guys get all this settled, then absolutely I'm going to take out my knitting needles and I'll make lots of things for this baby and stuff. But in the meantime... All of this other stuff, you guys need to sort this out. Right. Yes. Then she's back to Fizzy's. Fizzy's like, I thought I fucking threw you out. Mm-hmm. Evelyn says, I'm a 74-year-old woman. These things take time. time. Yes. And it looks like Fizz has calmed down a little bit from her right. initial outburst. And it's basically just you sit down, I'll make a cup I'll of tea. I'll make the tea. And it looks like that whole thing has been kind right. of smoothed over. It kind of feels like Fizz is realising... A lot of things. She does go off to have a drink with Maria and stuff. And talk to, with Maria about it. And be very frustrated. And I appreciate the fact. That in that conversation. She says how. Controlling Tyrone was about. Contraceptives with her. Mm-hmm. You know. And how she doesn't understand this. Because Tyrone was always so anal about. But not like that. About contraceptives. It's a contraception. Yeah. <laughs> Right, because we were sitting here going, wait a second, he was with with Fizz forever, and an oopsie never happened between Mm -hmm. the two of them, and yet with Alina it just automatically happens. Yep, Tyrone, as far as we know, wore two condoms at a time and a face mask, so... And like one of those full body condoms from that one movie at one time. Hot Shots? Was it Hot Shots or was that Naked Gun? It was Naked Gun. Right. Alina and Tyrone go to the pub, and after saying that they're not going to tell anybody until 12 weeks, they tell Kev. Right, because and they also, basically they also whole... are nasty to Kev by saying that they're going to call the baby Kev. And Kev's happy about baby Kev, but then we learn there is no baby Kev. Right, this, this is, is Alina's, something that Alina does. This is supposedly. Alina's sense of humour. Alina apparently cracks jokes that catches Ty out four or five times a day. That's canon now. And then Alina says, who would ever name a baby Kev? <laughs> like, it's too heavy of a name for a baby. Fizz comes in, she's supposed to meet Maria in the pub, she right. sees the three of them, Alina asks her to join them. Mm-hmm. She kind of throws it back in their face, a little bit. Yeah. But basically, offers her congratulations. Yes. To which Alina so offers thank her you. thank you. Which is quite nice and civilised and stuff. And then Fizz leaves. And then she and Maria go to the bistro. And that's where uh, they both metaphorically burn Tyrone's boxers. Thus summoning the knicker people to take the ashes away. Yes. And bring the curtain down on on another week of Coronation Street. And on this storyline, it seems. And I am quite frankly relieved that we're not going to get this whole frantic frantic fizz yelling and screaming and 
being a shrew to everyone. I'm glad that this seems to be over now. This is, I think, the second time that we've had a pass at Fizz making her peace with this. Right. But we have the new information about the pregnancy and stuff, so mm-hmm. okay, that's, that's fair enough. It does seem now that... We're done. Can anything else happen that's going to piss Fizz off? And it, maybe if Tyrone decides to throw her out the house or something, I don't know. It's not her house. That house was left to Tyrone from Jack and Vera. Yeah, I think I think legally he can't really kick a, a mother and and a seventy four year old woman and, and two young girls out of their home. Ruby's twenty three now. <laughs> so the time she moved still out. Still quite young. Right. Still quite young. So yeah, so that seemed to be the the culmination. It was a weird way to end. The it week. was a very. Because it was very closed way, book. Wasn't it? It was a very closed book. There's no cliffhanger. And now we are done. Right. There was no cliffhanger. No. Your moment of the week. I want to say Ryan and David hanging up the wash. It, but It's Audrey and Gail for me. It's got to be Danny and, and James's smooch, doesn't it? The thing that we didn't see? <laughs> yes. Yeah, because... That, it, it stands for so many things. It stands for him finally being out-out. It's also a breath of fresh air to the audience because we actually got to see two people really kiss for the first time in a year and a half. And that feels really, really good. Even if we only got to hear it and not see it. That wasn't particularly loud. No. Not a very wet kiss. No. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I really enjoyed the Audrey and Gil thing, so... I did. Honourable mention for that, but yeah. And, and also Ryan and, and D- David hanging up close. So, James and Danny Smooch is our... Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Four 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 moment of the week. Hmm. Sarah... <laughs> Not knowing who Adam's financial advisor is. What is it? Financial advisor? Yeah, famous. I think you can. To which you <laughs> said, imagine Sarah not knowing Adam's financial advisor name. To which I said, what's my financial advisor Carl. name? That was Carl. It's Carl. Is this Keith? Carl. No. Fair enough. That's out. Boring moment of the week. We have somehow managed to drag this out for more than an hour and a half. Yay! So. Alright, so let's wrap this one up then. We will be back home for next week where we'll be back to our, our more usual format that I think we find a little bit more like a pair of old slippers. Yeah. This felt like you know, a pair of flip-flops that don't feel like they fit properly, but never mind. Right. We'll get back to that. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, we're the talk of the street gmail.com and we're at Quarry Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch you know store and YouTube channel. We should you should totally interrupt me when I'm like two thirds of the way through that. We should totally make one for Ryan, the Ko-Fi. That's right. <laughs> And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or on your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode, and we will be back next week. Back home next week. 
with more Talk of the Street. Talk of the Street. Cheerio. Bye.